0: The beach makes them old. In honor of M Night Shyamalan's old, what old film location <laughs> still seems like it'd be cool to hang out at?
1: I'm at patches, and I'm, at, I'm realizing it's not a real location because it was shot entirely on a on a back or like a stage or backlot. But I'm gonna go with the Himalayan Palace from Black Narcissus. I just want to be up in the hills, uh, a little colonialist, but you know. Still
0: good. Hey, it's me, David the Seven. I've recently recently watched *The Color of Money* again, and that first pool hall where Paul Newman meets Tom Cruise—I think I'd want to hang out there. You can't—you can't even tell the whiskey's cheap.
2: Uh, and I'm David Ehrlich, And to seamlessly segue into our pre-first, <laughs> uh, our pre-tidbit segment tonight, I will, uh, you know, have, with *The French Dispatch* fresh in my mind, and it's Jacques Tati reference uh which is very early in the movie similarly at the tip of my tongue i will go with uh if we're counting playtime as old really any of the locations from playtime certainly that office the sprawling office from the beginning but um any of those incredible sets oh, i thought you were gonna say the server <laughs> the server the server verse from space jam
1: 2
0: <laughs> did he gets to kick it Sa- off david Sa- want... oh
1: oh yeah he did have a tron moment david are you still there
0: Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room number 357. It's Pandemic 70 for the week of Wednesday, July 21st, and on that day in 1969, our second week in a row we've been in 1969, but Neil Armstrong nice. becomes the first person to step on the moon at 2.56 and 15 seconds a.m. That's GMT. That's, uh, uh... Remember that
1: movie First Man? Totally underrated. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I do remember the movie First, First Man.
1: Oh. Dun, dun, I'm still listening to the soundtrack. <laughs> it gets my work done.
0: Well, this week One of these days,
2: I got to go up to the moon and find fucking the necklace or whatever he left. I can't remember exactly what the prop was. Uh, um,
0: yeah, I think it was a bracelet, a necklace, bracelet, something yeah. like that.
2: Gotta um, uh, got that. Valuable movie memorabilia.
0: No reviews this week, but instead of subjecting you to galaxy of heroes or a galaxy brained question, we're going to ask, uh, David to just wrap up his, uh, final can thoughts. Hard to imagine uh,
2: anything more painful than that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, thank you. Anyone who listened to last week's episodes, listening to my, my two part voice memo, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Die> a drive. <laughs> and sure, now more of I'm that. sure that was riveting. No, now now a conversation. Well, I guess I and and to that point, um, you guys were looking in the can from the outside. And then I think there was a pretty eventful Palme d'Or ceremony on Saturday, to say the least. Uh, not just in terms of the outrageous film that won, which is a film that I was very much rooting for, but also in the way in which it was revealed that it had won. Um uh, Spike Lee was a wonderful jury president, and he, I think, brought the festival to a close in wonderful fashion, and I don't think uh, anyone was worse aware for a result of that, but uh, what did you guys, what did you guys think, like, did, did you come away f- from it, I don't know, excited about what's to come, particularly intrigued by any of the movies, did any of them sort of purse, uh, pierce your, your little spheres or bubbles of what you're interested in, did any of it get through to you?
1: I mean, I'm hoping some of the characters from these movies will appear in a future space. Dream <laughs> <sequence> <laughs> and learn all about them, but um, no. I mean, I, I guess I'm most excited for uh, Titan. Is that how are we Titan. saying Titan? Titan. 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 Emily in Paris in Titan. Yes. Um, yes. I'm very excited to, to for Julia name. I probably can't pronounce or I'll butcher because I'm not directly looking at it. Dort what is it it's name? certainly not dork anything name? it's uh dork anew I, I believe it is duker now duker now oh, but I, I i am
2: only i i i asked this very question to a publicist last week and now. i certainly can't pronounce it i English would name, not so. um I uh, yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't take that anyway
1: raw fantastic film excited for her to follow it up with something equally. I, more than, e- more than equally.
2: It. I thought Raw was a promising debut and not the life changer that some people did, but uh, she has, it's a, suffice to say, outdone herself with, with this one. Um, and, and when you yeah, see it and you imagine of, that it won yeah. the film world's most prestigious award, uh, it's pretty wild. <laughs> it's It takes me back to the day. Not that, you know, uh, you know, can I, I think, has an unnerved reputation sometimes for for being like a stuffy Euro art house fair, um, particularly as far as I the Winters go. Is right? But Parasite, you know, genre or perhaps, yeah. Parasite did feel like, uh, um, not that Parasite, not not that Titan is necessarily a better film than Parasite, but in terms of its extremeness, it, Parasite feels like a, a warm-up.
1: Can is um, a regular lay fantastic film, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it, it is,
2: you know, last year or two years ago at this time, rather. If you had asked me if it was possible for Parasite to win Best Picture, I probably would have said no. And then I would have been very, very pleasantly surprised. I truly think, even in this brave new world we live in, that it is impossible for Detain to win Best Picture, let alone be nominated. Um, That would be, that would really be pretty uh, ridiculous. It's
1: better this way. It's not cool to win. (laughs) Um, But Detain as well. It it did bring me back to the
2: days of like Dancer in the Dark or something really Challenging, wow. uh, winning the Palm d'Or. Although titane is is a lot poppier in a way than something like Dancer in the Dark. It's My big flashy. takeaway is
1: like I don't know how you didn't have whiplash from going from like the last year of releases to. I mean, there were there were great films in in twenty twenty. I'm just like. I don't know. Well, I know what you mean. Am just I ready like the, for great the movies that of, are challenging? <laughs> not even just like the
2: kinds of movies, but simply from watching movies on your couch, uh, even professionally yes. for so long, and then suddenly finding yourself, not just at, you know, a regional film festival or something, but at the world's preeminent film festival uh, in the blink of an eye. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm I'm not surprised to say that the most shocking thing about it was how shocking it was not. I mean, humans are a ridiculously adaptable species sometimes to their own detriment and uh i've long thought that when this pandemic is over and clearly it isn't over yet um we will all struggle to understand and remember what it was like when uh it was happening when we were in it i mean that's just sort of it's a, you know it's a an evolutionary trait of ours it's a survival mechanism it's um really only grappling with the problem that's in front of our face and so even though i had to spit into like one and a half to three milliliters of pure unleaded no food in their spit every day um just to make sure that i could get into the pellet. and can oh my god uh and even though which is really and like all of these gorgeous young french interns who are manning the station and just like you're handing them vials of your spit and they're shaking them and inspecting them looking for food particles uh it's all it was pretty it was unusual for going to a movie and everyone is wearing a mask um you know even for all of the theater of the safety of it all uh it really felt like no time had passed since the last time i was there in
1: 2019 um and uh yeah i mean it's, well things it's- have changed i i I mean, I wondered if the French Wi-Fi was strong enough for you to play Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes while you were there. <laughs> well, like, no, no, no Wi-Fi
2: necessary, my friend, thanks to my AT&T plan. Uh, and I would remind you that on at t everyone gets the deals uh, that the um, I, <laughs> I simply by, I charge uh, my, my phone charges me $10 a day when I'm traveling internationally and I have the same plan that I do at home. So I was able to play uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes on a daily basis unimpeded, um, although there were fewer, there were almost no lines at Candace this year because they, not only there are so many fewer people, but they moved to an online reservation system um, and you showed up at your allotted time for a lot of the screenings. And But I still, you know, perpetually early, found time waiting for movies to start to play still filed 17 reviews and 30,000 words in nine days. Um, but it's easy to do. It's not easy, but it's easier. You're the
1: real hero of the galaxy. I am the yeah. real Star
2: Wars hero. So they are going to put me, I mean, now that they're really scraping the bottom of the ba- the bad batch, I think there's room to digitize me, put me into the Disneyverse. <laughs> um, but the um, uh, it is remarkable how much easier it is to do that volume of work when you don't have to look after your toddler. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that oh, was oh, a big joy. change, uh, but yeah, Dave, did you have any? Do you have any impressions, thoughts, interests? Anything from Cannes? No,
0: no, I'm looking forward to getting to see some of these, but uh, they they did not come in and pierce my uh, veil of attention purely because of my fault. What's the first
1: one we're gonna
0: see?
2: Well, it's a crazy because, because that's yeah, and that is very very. I mean, the thing is that while I was in Cannes I kept thinking that it was May because it's always May when Canada's happening uh, and would have to remind myself as like the sweltering heat helped to do that. It was mid July and, you know, within two weeks time from now, it's going to be August and Annette opens first week of August. Uh, for those of you, it's almost award season. At, I mean, but really <laughs> some, some of these movies that I I know are going to be a Telluride that I can't say in this podcast, but uh, that are certainly going to be in the fall festival circuit. Um, that is right around the corner i mean it's not going to be very long at all uh the runway has really like the can really was the runway for these films this year and they're just going to continue on a direct ascent rather than having to sort of loop around for a couple months so um whoa there's a giant fucking bug just flew in my face uh so yes i think um especially some of the movies that are going to rely on award season i mean i think there are films uh very 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 Something like the souvenir part two or after Yang comes to mind that are not going to hinge or hitch their wagons to like a best actor campaign or something like that, um, and it's harder to predict when they're going to be peeking out again because they don't need that award season window. But I think something like Red Rocket, which is, I would imagine, going to um,
1: try and Simon Rex best. Yeah, actor. I mean it's
2: a long shot uh, if they couldn't get Adam Sandler a nomination for Gems. This feels like an even further long shot, but certainly they can use his attention to uh, gin up a lot of attention around the movie, I mean, an Independent Spirit Award. I mean, we can't knows? wait for the so, Simon
1: Rexes. Yeah. So I, I would great. guess that like <laughs> Red Rocket, three.
2: for example, will be certainly coming out you know, this calendar year, things like that. Any of the, the international films, um, the Ashkar Farhadi film, A Hero, uh, Lingui, which movie picked up, um, things like that, I think, will also you can safely expect are going to come out before December 31st, anyway.
1: Well, now let's talk about movies that are out and ready to watch. Hey, here we go. Podcast time. Whoop.
2: So as you may have heard, and this was a conversation that seemed to uh, explode beyond the boundaries of film Twitter and the film sphere and really um, excite people in in other walks of life, uh, there is a new documentary out by Morgan Neville about Anthony Bourdain, uh, and it's called Roadrunner. And uh, it, it didn't seem to be a particularly remarkable documentary the first point of contention I'd heard, and I'd say it's still the most controversial thing about it, to my mind anyway, um, most deservedly controversial thing about it, is the aspect of how they handle his suicide, and particularly the fact that the filmmakers didn't approach Asia Argento, who was Bourdain's girlfriend at the time, for her side of the story, particularly, because she's been sort of implicated by um, rubberneckers over the last couple of years uh, about you know people who don't know either of them. Um, and we're just sort of pontificating about what could have driven someone who seemed to really have life by the horns and this, like, you know, ideal career for himself, uh, to take his own life. Um, but there was also another controversy, a one that, uh, that peaked this past weekend, um, around the film, which is that, morgan neville the film's director used a or fed a lot because i have hours upon hours upon hours of anthony bourdain's voice as most of you do you know just by access to your cable box or streaming accounts uh, from all the hundreds of episodes of mm-hmm. his various tv shows uh which were really a bomb to my soul and continue to be um and for that reason i think that uh it's going to take my brain for the same reason that like my brain hasn't entirely wrapped itself around the idea that Philip Seymour Hoffman is dead. um, And just not on like a long hiatus. I think, it, you know, it, it's not, I'm not going to understand like on a, a my deep gray matter sort of level that Anthony Bourdain is well and truly dead for a long time to come. Um, but uh, for that reason, they had all this footage available to them. And um, there was a, there were things that Anthony Bourdain had written in his emails to people, just a few snippets here and there that uh, like the other narration that appears in the film, Morgan Neville really wanted to have in Anthony Bourdain's voice. And so uh, he fed enough hours of audio to a a machine, a, a AI learning machine that was able to approximate the sound of Anthony Bourdain's voice reading these lines that he had written in an email. So they're his words, but they are not words that he had said aloud and certainly not in recorded fashion. Um, there is no indication in the film itself. Uh, there is no disclaimer and the, there is no uh, dramatization tag over the footage or a note of any kind in the closing credits that this tactic had been used. Um, it caused a lot of hubbub when news came out that this had been done uh, i don't think that morgan neville's sort of uh flippant response to a question about it in an interview uh with the new yorker that then went sort of viral help to when he was like we can just set up a documentary ethics panel about it later um and was sort of brushing off the opportunity to talk about something that is increasingly vital to, to documentary filmmaking and the way this technology is changing the form um, there are a lot of people out there who don't understand how documentary works uh, that is nothing new um, these are people who think that it is possible to make objective cinema um, and think that there should be no uh, what we often refer to on this podcast borrowing a Werner, Werner Herzogism, ecstatic truth in film I'm not uh, condoning the behavior outright here I'm just saying that like there were people who, uh, who were so aghast at the idea of this that they, they thought it was some sacrilegious, you know, violation of truth. Um, but this kind of thing, you know, with the technological bent rather than simply bending the truth through editing or the way that you depict things, um, is going to become increasingly prevalent in feature-length documentary and other forms of storytelling, and uh, especially the nonfiction variety.
0: And uh, people yeah, can't see me nodding in agreement, but I I like how you came down on that. I was wondering how you were going to come down on it at the end.
2: Yeah, and so my feeling about this, my feeling about this has always been, you know, in in every other form that this kind of twisting of the truth can take, that it is all about the uh, the intentionality of it and the the means. I mean, I mean the ends rather. I mean, the means are irrelevant. The means typically are when it comes to filmmaking. And, um, you know, in this particular case, there, there, it is a slippery slope I allow. And I think that there are ways, even if you are simply transposing somebody's written words into their voice, there are ways to do that in an unethical way. There are ways to sort of misconstrue what they were trying to say. Even something as simple as emphasis can theoretically, in a certain circumstance, change the meaning of what somebody meant. And obviously, in the event that that person is dead and they are not here to correct the record, um, that complicates things further. However, filmmakers usually have the power in these situations, even if the subject is alive. Um, and I think that from what I know of this example, um, while I disagree that it was probably necessary for the filmmaking, it doesn't really, not particularly substantive film to begin with, but uh, you know, I think that it, 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 this was not a case where, this Needed to be sort of ground zero for this kind of conversation. Not that it is, I mean, this conversations like this go back to like, you know, Nanook of the North, really, and Robert Flaherty and ethnographic filmmaking of the, you know, the Silent Age, but certainly more recently to like The Thin Blue Line and, and things like that, um, where Errol Morris is using dramatizations uh, in a really pronounced and interesting way. But um, I, I think that. In this particular case, I was kind of unbothered by it because it didn't seem to sort of violate the spirit of what Bourdain was trying to communicate. And it just tried to sort of flatten out a sentiment that Neville was trying to extrapolate from his words that he had written. Um, I do think that this can be a slippery slope, which is why documentary filmmakers and documentary film lovers are always talking about shit like this, always. (laughs) I mean, this is like a crucial component of caring about documentary filmmaking it's part of the language of it it's part of the the thrill of seeing what favorite topic can be so the fact that yeah i mean the fact that we're having a conversation around like this is not in in itself a demerit to the movie or um suggests
1: that but don't you think the fear here is is more existential don't you think it is like years of watching deep fakes this is this is not necessarily an issue with the ecstatic Truth
2: right, this is a rung on the ladder. I mean that would suggest an upward uh, ascent. I mean this is whatever <laughs> a, a thing is on the slippery slope the
0: well, yeah, if the, sh- if the ladders mean, it,
1: go up, the shoots go down, I believe is the, the shoots right
0: um, <laughs> it, it is
2: a bump in the chute you know it is uh it is as we get into deep technology becoming more convincing, um, this is going to be more and more of a conversation. It's always going to be a conversation worth having, and this is such a benign example of it. I think, uh, given you know, in, in at least in context of what could be um, and what people are freaking out about, that better to have the conversation now than after some you know. And I think the really horrifying examples of like deepfake technology—they're not going to be in uh, feature-length documentaries that. Are Let's not forget that Lawrence Olivier, uh
1: was one of the co-stars in Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow.
2: Sure. I know. But like the really dangerous use of that technology is going to be on Fox News. I mean, it's going to be on uh, social media platforms. It's not going to be in a uh, handsomely made documentary feature that is made to uh, be nominated for, for Golden Globes and whatnot. I mean, RIP the Golden Globes, but other awards. Uh, and the, uh, so I, you know, It is a slippery slope. It is something that we need to be aware of. I think these stress tests can be helpful in making sure that people are more literate when it comes to their media. That is a huge, huge, huge problem, even among incredibly image literate people that we know. I mean, I I see the fact that people are so quick to, even this weekend when people were, I mean, I I don't blame them for this because Gaspar Noé's Instagram about his brain hemorrhage was really lacking in context, but just the, the rush to not investigate something what is happened? a failure of media literacy. I missed that.
1: Gaspar Noé posted uh, so about
2: a brain Noé, Noé posted an Instagram that said like day 11 in the hospital after a brain hemorrhage. Like, <laughs> but it was, it was older. And the truth, the truth of the matter, which I already knew at the time, um, because I knew that he had been at Cannes on the other side of recovering from a brain hemorrhage, is that he suffered a brain hemorrhage last year. And oh, – was able to come out of that and see the world differently and made a movie called Vortex, which is sort of like a split screen, 140 minute take on the same kind of materials something like a more a very pared down Gaspar Noé experience and not what people tend to associate with him he's not doing drugs anymore um and but he is now healthy recovered but people were you know (laughs) people deeply invested in the horror community were tweeting like pray for gaspar (laughs) like things like that you know it is um i don't blame them because the, the the information really wasn't there but the uh unwillingness to source that the the Rush to judgment is, I think, preying on the same human failure as all of the things that we are existentially afraid of happening when you are. We were talking about Roadrunner. And Dave, I feel like it. you're going to be I more mean, skeptical
1: about yeah. this. I just feel, I don't no, know. it's
0: with me. No, not at all. Like, I think it, or even if it's applied to documentary, that's like there's certain subjects where this could be responsibly applied. I think if you're going to do it maliciously, you're already doing it with like Franken quotes or. Those dumb people who go to abortion clinics and ask if there are baby parts so they can like get it on film, Damn. like uh, those, all those sorts of disingenuous uses are in. I'm just, uh, I'm not concerned at this point because, like I think David's outlining, it's a creative tool. Like I feel like Walt Disney, being the man he was would love a biopic about Walt Disney where a digital version of him got to play him, you know, like he'd be delighted by that shit. And so I don't think Mm. in that example, it would be bad to use that technology. I don't think it's weird to put Gary Fisher in rogue one. Like, like those are artistic tools just because it's being applied to a documentary. Doesn't mean I think we automatically have to treat it like news, you know? But I think
1: that's, that's the challenge that we, I don't know how we overcome this. I remember years and years ago um, being on vacation with my family and my sister's girlfriend at the time was just like, we got in this huge argument at dinner about documentary film is journalism. It's journalism and it has to be true. And it has to be objective. And uh, clearly this is wrong. And, you know, I don't want to lock horns with loved ones or uh, extensions of loved ones, but I couldn't let that stand. Um, but wh- it is confusing for people. Like, why wouldn't journalism be or why wouldn't documentary film be journalism? Why wouldn't it be objective? How do we, how do we overcome this problem that we seem to have where people don't and why would they automatically understand that as soon as you point a camera at something, as soon as you write something, as soon as it goes through a human brain, it has become editorialized on some level or it's, or it's, it's filmmaking. It's something about the documentary form. People can, there's just a lot of people who see real people and, and, if real people are being depicted in any way, it must be absolutely 100% verite or something. I don't, I don't, Mm. how do you overcome that?
2: that? I mean, it seems to be not just the phenomenon of seeing, you know, unscripted people on a screen that makes people's brains work like this. It really seems. And then everyone would tell you that reality uh, TV
1: is fake. So that's the interesting twist.
2: Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, as I was saying earlier, it seems like a, um, willingness or, or sort of natural tendency to believe anything that's put in front of you. If it, I, I mean, it doesn't need to be images. It can be writing, but there's a, it's like the context of wanting to believe it or um, I don't know. I mean, I think like, do we have to move people to, I mean, critical thinking obviously lacking in terms of media literacy and so many other things, but if we need to move to a natural default place of skepticism where people assume that the media that they are confronted with is not necessarily uh i mean objective is such a dangerous word in this context because it doesn't necessarily exist in like the documentary form but like is not you know it, it has been mediated it is uh it, like they, i I think people need to be trained. And the world would seem incredibly ripe for training people to think this way right now, but because people are so ensconced in their various camps and biases, they're only sort of calcifying the way they see things. But um, that needs to be the default position to think that certainly in the context of a documentary film, that everything has been processed through, you know, a storyteller who has an agenda who's trying to tell a story that fits a certain shape. Um, I mean, like these need to be assumptions that people make going into certain things um, because I think that the outrage, the outrage is more indicative in this case than the thing that people are outraged on The The degree of excitement and consternation that this problem caused, I think is a damning reflection yeah. on where we are uh, in terms also, of understanding. Bourdain, t- he just anything BD
1: like works. Bourdain is the master storyteller of, of like bullshitting in some way or, or, telling a great story as opposed to documenting the total truth. Uh I just, his, his books are, I mean, I guess some people think they're absolutely true, but they seem sensationalized, well, fun he had, like, reads.
2: I mean, I think you're right. You're absolutely right. Because the success for him, the secret to success was that he combined a veneer of honesty of this is who I am. You know, I used to be a drug addict. I fucked up. Like, this is just my personality. I'm just a guy. I like what I like with that ability to, 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 you know, twist stories out of things to go and, and find narratives in small pockets of the world and contain them within the essence of food. Um, And I think that, that fusion and the mix between those two energies was really the secret to his appeal Uh, and I, I think at least in theory, I can't speak to how he would feel about this particular example, but I think at least in theory, he would not be uncomfortable with, with this, um, you know, stretching of the truth, because as you said, he did this with every episode of his show, um, let alone on the page. So I don't know, but I do think, uh, there are, and we have already seen many times over Certainly, in the political sphere, incredibly dangerous uses of this kind of technology and the gullibility of people and the unwillingness to think critically is already off the charts and it's led us into such dark territory. But um, under siege too. But the uh, the problem is not going to be in in documentary films like this, but they are really good teachable opportunities. They are good ways for sort of reframing those conversations and educating people to encouraging them to think about these things maybe a little bit differently. So the next time they're exposed to a deep fake or suspicious story or they see a story going around about how the cardboard beds of the Olympics were specifically made so the athletes can't bang, you know, fake they news. will uh they will at least wonder if uh something that the WTF facts Twitter account oh shares <laughs> you know isn't uh necessarily isn't necessarily the accountant's truth, as Herzog would say, and they do just the smallest amount of due diligence um, and understand the context in which they are receiving information. If they know that something is coming from the New York Times, it is uh, more credible than if it's coming from uh, their racist kid who got kicked out of school for committing a hate crime in sophomore year. I don't know, like not as trustworthy. Uh, you know, it's well. He, he that kid
1: told me that Forrest Gump did meet JFK. Uh. <laughs> A <laughs> defer- oh, from- you know,
2: broken clock is right twice a day. Uh, <laughs> or once a day when you're in Europe. Uh, anyway, Dave, do you have any final thoughts on this? You have, a, a, I think, a different perspective, and you think about this stuff smartly and often. Yeah,
0: why Why? Why am I still doing ADR for my television show when apparently software exists that could use all my characters' voices? It seems like that That would be a step for me. Why, that has why aren't, to be in why a play, right? Like... Why haven't the girls signed their rights? It's not on my show, but it, it, it would be a great use for it. Like, we're already. Yeah. That, we're already that has to be a Marvel
1: out. thing. That has to be like, there's no way we're getting I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Not, in here. Is this
2: not the premise of Space Champ New Legacy? Oh, we'll get there. This, I mean, you're right. This
1: whole thing has been set up for credit our third segment. Too, but
2: the, uh, yeah. the uh, Warner 3000 is. Yeah, in the uh, serververse, you can just pull here.
1: up Anthony Bourdain whatever you want. Was he in the crowd? Oh, Jesus.
0: Uh, uh, Alright, let's <laughs> let's move on to more U- multiversal uh-huh. myths. So uh, the third Marvel Cinematic Universe television show has wrapped up on Disney Plus. What a year it's been.
1: Three T V shows um, from
0: Marvel already. And we're only halfway done. Three TV shows. Yep, and we got one three T V shows and one movie down. We've got uh three TV shows and three more movies to come. David, how many episodes of Loki screened at the Con Film Festival this year?
2: Uh, They only screamed the first three, left us on a terrible cliffhanger, (laughs) heartbreaking. The 60e, where they, (laughs) the tent (laughs) out back was just, you know, on the verge of a riot. Um, The
1: French love a multiverse. They love uh, a Le Multiverse.
2: They sure do. Uh, I I do want to just take one second now that my name was invoked to say that I did watch Black Widow and I really. Uh, I, I thought it was just a new level. All, right, so all, right, all right, all right, all uh, right. We're back to, back to the guys
0: anyway, who watched Loki.
2: People needed to know. <laughs> they did,
1: they did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Uh, so Loki was a six-episode series. We did not know at the time it started that it was going to get a second season, but it did. So it's going to be more Loki, which maybe changes how you feel about the finale. We're going to spoil it. Here we go, in case you haven't watched Loki jump to the next segment. Jonathan Majors shows up and does an architect from the Matrix, which was a joke that I made after watching the episode and thinking I was so clever and was the best, only to realize (laughs) that the reshoots of Loki were under the production uh, title architect because they knew exactly what they were doing. Fewer televisions in
1: the, the man's lair. Uh, I love how the it, bar it, is so low
2: that showrunners knowing what they were doing on the set of their television show is worthy well, of, kind of
1: commendation. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the whole Loki saga, which is like everything's a reference. Everything's a movie reference. It's like they, everybody on this press store has only spoke in like, this was Blade Runner. This was Again, perfect Brazil. setup for our
2: Space Jam and New Legacy segment. Low key it
1: away, a lot of connections to Space Jam, the more digestible Space Jam, but it's really just uh, digesting and repurposing movie history for a, a new generation. Um, and then there's Dave, Loki. can I
2: ask you something?
1: Yeah. Uh
2: so you know my ex- my experience from the outside of these Marvel shows WandaVision being the only one that I that I watched and that was a real never again moment for me is that they seem to all start with a wave of excitement as people are interested and excited to see their their favorite characters you know repurposed in new ways and put in strange combinations and giving a little bit more wiggle room and then by the time the shows are over the, the gen, and I'm just talking about like the fan consensus or what I'm able to anecdotally see from it online it seems to be that people feel like these shows always reach the same point of like, Ugh, I guess at the end it just collapsed under its own weight because it had to serve too many masters and feed into the Marvel cinematic universe at the end of the day. And so it ended up sort of sacrificing whatever unique personality built up along the way. And then, you know, the, the churn starts over again and people get excited anew for the next Marvel show down the block. But did Loki continue that trend of just like letting the air out of the bag because it has to serve this bigger picture by the end?
0: No. It let it well, air out of its back like boom. <laughs> I, I, well, like, here's the thing. What you said about WandaVision, yes, makes sense. But WandaVision is the best thing because WandaVision is the most isolated thing. Like, that story started, there were sitcom parodies, and then it ended, and she left the town. That is a complete Marvel story. <laughs> like, if you were looking for more closure than that, you were never going to get it in comic book-based, serialized storytelling. Falcon the Winter Soldier was a giant wet fart. That's why that didn't look. Loki is really interesting in the sense that it did better than WandaVision um, in terms of what we've been told numbers of people who watched it. And then be um, the reason it doubled down on introducing this new character at the end, which seems like it would be feeding into another movie, but that is actually the thing that makes it a new step and something else they're experimenting with. Is this will be the first movie character that's introduced on TV that's gonna well you know it was TV first? And it's yeah, like how the uh,
1: High School Musical cast was introduced in the TV movie High School Musical, but then by High School course, Musical Three, they were uh, theatrical. In mm-hmm. what
2: movie can I expect to see Jonathan Majors? Uh, Ant Man uh, and point, the Wasp: based...
0: Quantumania? Hello, for sure, for sure, Quantum Mania. But the way Loki ended they could put him anywhere so i will say this like loki
1: to your point david started on the high note for me kind of sagged in the middle like i wanted this to be a normal show (laughs) i'm kind of waiting for a marvel show that's just a show
0: a tv show i yeah
1: it kind of loki got off to a start where i'm like, this could be x files or this could be a procedural and that would be really fun but it's only six episodes and they had to get the plot in. Um, and that's where it became a little disappointing to me. The Sylvie character, that actress uh, whose name escapes me and I'm not looking at my computer um, is, is fantastic. So DiMartino. Yeah. She's great. She, they have great chemistry and energy. And I wanted to see them on more adventures. Like there's been a lot of Dr. Who comparisons and I think they're apt because I want to see them jump through portals and go to different zany places. There's no time for that. It's really, that is the disappointing part for me where it's like there's so much more potential to the Loki show than what we got it doesn't feel like it's I don't really get the criticism that it's driving towards more Marvel cinematic offshoots or whatever That. Didn't feel the pressure of that. But what was disappointing about the finale is that it's just like, it doesn't really go anywhere. It does go toward season two, but like, it's not a dramatic finish to meet this character we haven't talked about at all. When there's so many other strands of this show that are interesting hanging out at the TVA and solving crimes, Loki and Sylvie jumping through portals, outrunning the TVA,
0: so many different types of shows. it's not even a bad episode to have the big bad introduce himself as the man behind the curtain and talk for a period of time. If that isn't your supposed finale and I'm watching the entire episode being like, this is all Loki. I'm going to get like the whole premise that made Loki interesting. And the reason I think season two can still be interesting is they're like, well, Loki is both singular and plural and that's the premise. Let's just take that in every fucking direction we could go in. It's great. It's like for a second, got close to like a, not toxic Rick and Morty, uh, but then, as Patches mentioned, I will say, Rick and Morty is also back
1: right now, and hilarious. I don't care if people think Uh, Rick and Morty is toxic. They're also in Space Jam. Yes, they are. They do show up in Space Jam. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. No spoilers on this episode. Wait for segment three. Loki, wow. Loki. (laughs) But I, I will say... As much as I was disappointed by the finale and actually I was disappointed in Jonathan Major's performance, it was cringy and over the top, this weird like Heath Ledger's Joker combined with Willy Wonka or something. It was just really not my, what I wanted uh, watching. Step off Timmy Chalamet's beat. But, but there is the Marvelness of it all. And I am excited to see Jonathan Major's like play different versions of this character, better versions of this character in like. Every, I mean, what if he just shows up in every movie? That's what I kind of want now. I want Jonathan Majors to be Kang the Conqueror in Ant. Man, somebody today floated to me like, "What if Jonathan Majors becomes Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four movie, or something?"
0: Um, like, "What if Jonathan Majors or is just Jonathan all Majors over <laughs> the Marvel universe in the future?" Is an Egyptian villain in Moon Knight, and we get to see Jonathan Sounds Majors great. versus How about Jonathan Al- Majors everywhere? Oscar. The man
1: is super charismatic yeah. and fun, and and can play a lot of different uh uh notes. And I I would be excited to see that. I am also excited for a Loki season two. I just want I want more. I, this is my question to you. We, we privately spoke, uh, which was like, was this supposed to be longer? Like, this feels like 10 episodes or 12 episodes and building to that Jonathan Majors moment. But in six episodes, it's like, what is this show? The show is discombobulated. The show is just everything. And, and it doesn't make any sense why it would be this short unless it's just too big. in the budget-wise, it has to be that.
0: We don't know now really what happened uh, because... People on the Loki press tour who worked on Loki have a unified front that I'm pretty convinced is not true. But I think somewhere around episode four or five, when they decided it was going to be more of a season, they had to shunt off a lot of what would have made Loki Loki, like the Owen Wilson storyline, like the Whoa. Red Slayer storyline, oh, wow. all the stuff that kind of gets pushed off to the side here, I think was supposed to have some sort of conclusion, but you know this happens with fucking TV shows. This is what I like the interaction that I want. I this don't This is the want big little TV lies show. of the
1: Marvel universe in some way.
0: Yeah, essentially. Like learn oh, how I'm not to sure adapt and make more things. Yeah, not a, not, <laughs> not a great not a, not a positive.
1: but uh well I will say this David, um I know you've sworn off Marvel television after WandaVision. But I'm going to throw it to Dave here. There are, I think there are some promising MCU shows to come. This has been an interesting we get all the like all the characters, you know, get their own spin-off show mode right now. But actually, Marvel television is going to have its moment soon where we're actually getting original characters and original stories. And like one of them is Miss Marvel, uh, the young woman with giant fists. Uh, and that's awesome. Like a young teen story. Well, and I'm, I'm Black, excited for what's Black possible. Black Widow is.
0: Black Widow was the first movie that maybe David's hinted a little bit at, but that feels like it's a run up to like a Disney Plus show. Like the post credit scene on that is like, go watch Disney Plus, and you know what? I'm into it. If they get successfully pass things back and forth, then like that's a, that's what yeah, they're trying my, to do, and that's the way My
2: feeling if if the movies really just become run ups to the Disney Plus shows will simply be to stop watching the movies. Because I, I think I you should try and stop
1: watching the Marvel movies. I just think <laughs> I, it would be an would, interesting you know experiment if, to see if you could go without it. If the next it.
2: two movies weren't Shang-Chi, which had a really fun-looking trailer, and wow. a movie directed by Chloe Jaw, then I would pull... And, you know, if I didn't have a certain professional obligation, uh, I would That's... pull the ripcord. I would have done it yesterday. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is... Uh, it, it, the Black Widow really was the first time in a minute. I mean, it's been a minute since there was a movie. I suppose, and there was the build-up to Avengers: Infinity War. And I could sort of, or end game and I could sort of see, as everyone could, how the pieces are moving into place. Watching Black Widow, I was just like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" Um, and I resented every minute. I like I, it. And even though Florence Pugh was charming, I just I, it was as miserable as I've been watching a movie all year, and I uh, it made me yeah. want to just completely pull out of the Marvel the marvel business altogether except for my beloved marvel strike force on my phone that's why i know who miss
1: marvel all right, is I that's, know a, that's, this a, that's an illegal as, maneuver in this segment
0: uh, as miserable as you've seen, been watching a movie all year let's talk about another movie after this Woo.
1: Hey, everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right. All right.
2: Hey, well, well, Dave, if I can start the segment.
0: Yeah, go for it.
2: You know, it's it, it's a, a beautiful segue into our Space Jam: A New Legacy segment. Uh, and I, one thing I was saying, to you guys, before we start recording was that, to me, in broad strokes, I felt no different watching Space Jam: A New Legacy than I did watching Black Widow in terms of how they sort of regurgitate IP. I mean, if anything, it seems that uh, Space Jam they regurgitate IP fun in fun a might slightly a, different way. I would fun might be a, a, a too generous a term with what Space Jam is having with this IP, uh, especially because like uh, the Lego Batman movie just did this and brilliantly uh, and with, with so little sweat. I mean, like really in an hilarious way that felt organic to a story that it was telling. Well, the good news is Lego uh, not...
1: has like characters like these, these IP have been also, made that into was, Lego that sets. was
0: 5 that was five yeah, years just ago. just did this. No, but I mean, it's like a there's a presidential
1: uh, saga. There's has,
2: a blueprint has. for it. I mean, they invoked all of Warner Brothers' big properties. Um, I mean, this is not – it really sucks out of the wind out of Space Jam. The, the spaceship couldn't afford to lose. But, uh, yeah, does that make any sense when I say that watching – Space Jam: A New Legacy, and please, one of you set up what the plot is. I, I will. Be, I left me feeling the same way as watching a new Marvel film.
1: I mean, I I would have to put myself in your uh, snobby shoes to uh, really bring myself to that level because I think the snobby shoes of someone
2: who enjoyed. Space Jam: A New Legacy more than you did. Uh,
1: no, I actually. Well, well, we'll get here, but like I'm I'm feeling conflicted over Space Jam because I think there are parts that work and parts that really do not, and I think it's how direct it regurgitates IP, and you know at least Marvel is it's pandering to its audience. It's like pro- processing and reprocessing <laughs> iconography and um, pushing these like uh, points on on its audience each time, but. I mean, there's no there's no swagger to Space Jam. The parts where it's regurgitating IP are forced into a movie that really has nothing to do with it, and that's what's so disturbing and ugly and and Ready Player One ish about it. It's really there's no class. <laughs> that's another. Good, that's a good reference um, to to this movie. Let, let's let's talk about if people have not suffered through this movie, which I would imagine many people. I mean, actually, I will say this movie was a hit. It dethroned Black Widow. Black Widow stumbled at the box office, and somehow uh, Space Jam 2 has triumphed. And even though it's free on HBO Max, still made like thirty million some dollars at the U.S. box office. So it's it's a it's a kind of a hit. I don't know. LeBron yeah, was only 120 on.
2: million dollars left to go. Yeah, before well, that is true. Yeah.
1: LeBron is celebrating. Uh, he I think he tweeted thanks or gotcha haters or something like that. Good job, LeBron. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Space Jam, a new legacy. It is a sequel. Do you guys think this takes place in the world of the original Space Jam? Bugs Bunny makes a reference. He seems to know that the first Space Jam exists, but there's absolutely zero reference to the original Space Jam. Did that
0: movie really happen in uh, the world
1: of Space Jam A New Legacy? What do you think?
0: I, it's more of a I don't, Dave question. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think this is very serious, but I think that uh, the the tunes are the generated... Because Space Jam is pre-Serververse, I'm meant to believe, by the developing of Algy Rhythm. That's right. So, these would be the the Looney Tunes were sucked in. Like, I think in were order for The Looney for Tunes King Kong... who starred
1: in Space Jam, uh, the Looney Tunes that are in the Serververse now, or are they... Did Space Jam never happen, and they're just the regular Looney Tunes that are existing they in the Warner were... IP library?
0: I feel like <laughs> uh, it's either they were the existing ones that uh, you know, we're like you know, already existed, but then Lola's in there, which makes it difficult. So I kind of feel like we're treating this movie artifice sort of thing where they are the, and characters the aliens who from are the betrayed. first uh,
1: Space Jam are booing the cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Is Zendaya the first actress to ever do a Space Jam
2: and a Malcolm Marie in the same
1: year? I think yes. that's right. I think I, I'll have to check IMDb mm-hmm.
0: trivia for that one, but yeah. Um, uh, but like, I think the characters. <laughs> Because <laughs> most, most of the way during this movie, I watched it with my friend Julian. that was yelling at it for various things. And when LeBron James is having an argument about fundamentals, be like, why are none of the Looney Tunes saying we did this already? <laughs> like, somebody be like, well, we've di- we've done this before. It would have been a fine joke. No, they do say it that. Skipped over whole- they kind of insinuate that the, like... W- they insinuate yeah. it. And then the Michael B. Jordan gag is absolutely hilarious, which insinuates they also knew Michael Jordan 25 years ago. But I don't think any of these characters have played basketball but before. But if they knew
1: Michael Jordan, they would know Michael B. Jordan is not Michael B. Jordan, and they grabbed him. and Well, anyway, stupid question. Well,
0: Sylvester said it's been 25 That's years, true. and he thought he just aged very nicely as a way to sidestep this idea that Daffy brings up, that Sylvester thinks all like black people look the same. This movie has so many like unintentional, weird-ass humps in it. Like, why are there Game of Thrones references in this? Why is there like I get oh, why they me? use the Matrix references because it like ha- yeah no, but like why not have Pepe Le Pew but have the Clockwork? I don't get that controversy. Well, let's
1: get there later because that controversy is stupid. That is a bad. Con- I, I understand why you don't have Pepe Le Pew because all he does is romance people, whereas the Clockwork Guards people are Pepe just also, Pepe Le Pew like, would dresser. have been an actual character yeah, with exactly. lines
2: and not just like, someone standing kiss in the people. background
1: like. Like the nun from the devil. You'd have to try and kiss uh what's uh Seneca Martin Green or something. It would have been horrible. We don't want the oh, yeah. So you, you
0: you think that, but Speedy Gonzalez is here to not be speedy. They use the roadrunner character That's to true. use the fast oh. thing. Speedy Gonzalez is just here. Pepe Le Pew could have just been there. And why the ball?
1: The have been smoking the, the robots? Yeah, the he the could have been
2: smoking the robots. Uh, the Iron Giant is a hundred feet tall. He can dunk from anywhere on the court. And he's just there. They have him on the whiteboard. They really set up for the Looney Tunes
1: movie. in this movie. You're right.
2: I mean, because yeah, they, this really, is I mean, a setup it's a, for... a better point than I was trying to make, but yes. <laughs> oh, this
0: sorry. is a setup for the third, the third Space Jam, which is basketball, but not with the Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. Like, the Looney Tunes part is what's aging out of this idea. Because this is the Ready Player One idea, just simplified into Let's Play Basketball, which was all... Like, this all came... From a uh, commercial that had the Looney Tunes playing basketball, like some animator came up with. Someone was like, why not make that a movie? Why not make it with Michael Jordan? And it all just piled up on top of each other. This is an empty suit meant to be filled with IP. The Looney Tunes have filled it for like two decades. It doesn't need to be them. It doesn't. Right? I mean, it
1: doesn't. But it also
0: well,
2: does They, they to haven't filmed to it continuously Space for Jam. two decades. They filmed it once. They filled it once two decades ago, twenty five years ago, oh, and are now you know being brought back, back to in film action. Again.
1: Um, wait, can we just quickly sidebar about the Iron Giant? What? Yes. Is, I don't, I find this to be egregious. The use of the Iron Giant in this movie is one. I need to know what Brad Bird thinks. And maybe this is my job to email his people and find out. So uh, let me get on. That. I'm writing that down. Um, but like, are we going to get a live action Iron Giant movie in the next 10 years? Is, is WB going to pull a Disney and do they? There's just so many CG models of the Iron Giant. Dave has a just a tortured look on his face right now. Come on. You yeah, know, this because, is going to happen. Okay. Even though this movie was a flop.
0: I mean, I, the only reason I don't think it's gonna happen is it's just they, they're they think that's recognizable. Why? Like there's a, because they that's what they own. They're they're just putting up what they have, but like I don't think that there's gonna be an Iron Giant movie and I don't think there's gonna be asset sharing. And the reason I look so pained is because Ready Player One has a Mecha Godzilla a few years before the actual Mecha Godzilla, where I'm like they're planning a mecha Godzilla. Just like use an old mecha Godzilla, use the new mecha Godzilla, but they designed a whole Ready Player One mecha Godzilla. You know what else Ready Player
2: it. One has? The Iron Giant.
0: No, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what
2: I'm
1: saying. There's now multiple See, Iron Giants. It looks insane. It's all the same property.
0: Yep. I'm I'm so su- I'm so surprised that The Shining isn't in here. Very obviously. Because I was like, there's a lot of things that are not
1: in here. None of the Nolan characters appear in here. The Batman Begins movie poster appears, but um, there's a lot. And like Lord of the Rings does not appear at all. I assume that's a rights issue with Tolkien Estate. Um, But if you don't have Gandalf up in the front of the crowd, are you really a WB? IP pollution. Why, why
0: is it there before gand Gandalf Because they can't
1: afford. It. They can't. They don't actually have the rights to all the things. It's funny. Like, why aren't none of the why aren't the conjuring people up front? Where's where's the real nun? They had to go with the devil's okay, nun. Can
2: we all can we get can we get to the meat of the matter here? Which is that at a certain point sure, in sure. this movie, when they establish the stakes,
0: I was going to talk about the plot. Games, <laughs>
2: <laughs> LeBron James' fictional son, you know, based on a real son but fictional in the movie, is playing on behalf of effectively killing yes. thousands of innocent people <laughs> who have been sucked into the, the, uh, he doesn't what's really know The, the fucking
1: Warnerverse. He does not know the
2: again, media literacy kid. Right. Ask some questions,
1: ask some questions you here knew before about you blindly deepfake, follow
2: algorithm Don Cheadle into hell. I want
1: to back up a little bit here because the setup of the movie is actually what I think works pretty well about the movie so the setup here is lebron james um when he was a kid used to play game boy uh while he was practicing basketball and it and and
2: great start to any movie lebron uh, james used to uh, play game boy i'm in
1: black and white edition playing an old bugs bonnie game uh which has a weird history uh comic book reference here go to go to polygon to read about that game um he He gets yelled at "You gotta practice more, and then he has grown up with this instinct where you just have to work, work, work so hard to get what you want, and his kid doesn't want us to practice basketball; he wants to design video games uh I'm have we'll have to talk about this too like what this has a very confusing, and most movies have this confusion, which is like what do movies think video games are um they're, they're pop culture, but they're huge uh, mainstream pop culture. They're
2: NBA Jam.
1: Like, why are they so dangerous to people when everyone plays video games and people are very successful and they're a huge industry? And, and I, I don't know, video games are demonized in movies. Uh, I find it fascinating. And also Isn't then when this kid, demonized. this kid designs video games and then they're basically playing his video game in the server-verse and it has no rules. Like, what do people think video games are? Where you could do anything? There's got to be rules to a video game. <laughs> the, I mean, well, the, the, the real the emotional arc to this
2: movie so much as it has one is LeBron James coming around to sort of respect his son's interests and to, I mean, he plays a, a, you know, he's like Robin Williams. And this is is essentially just like a a movie about laundering his image in addition to, addition to celebrating all of the BB's IP and serving as marketing for their upcoming films. Uh, I thought it would have been more interesting if this was just a commercial, like an actual commercial for uh, HBO Max. If rather than going to the server, they're sort of going into the the. Well, LeBron for does HBO fall Max. into the cartoon um,
1: universe and make a Nike swoosh. uh Sure,
2: but the thing is that LeBron James is a terrible dad in this movie. Really I mean, and not dad. just like like he's like a like a pathologically bad dad, and is so much incapable of relating to. His children are not just forcing basketball down their throats. Um, you would have to imagine, just from the little, you know, from what I've seen of LeBron James public facing, uh, from the episodes of uh, the barbershop show he does on HBO. I mean, I'm sure he is a better dad in real life than he is in this movie, but he plays sort of like a wooden two dimensional. Am I crazy or is he, or is he a pretty good
1: charismatic actor? Is he like a good you actor? You are crazy. I think he's good at uh, the beginning but- of this movie. I think the kid stuff is actually pretty I think he was stiff, <laughs> stiff as Aww. the
2: wood Who's on better? the floor of the Staples Center.
1: Uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron, acting wise. LeBron. Dave?
0: Oh, probably LeBron. He's at least I done haven't other seen movies. I not the original
1: Space Jam in twenty
2: years, so I can't. Here's say. the thing:
0: this is pitched perfectly at a little kid. At that plot level, at that acting level, at that degree of what you understand about like good animation versus right. bad animation. Which means, that for me, it's almost so bad it's good territory, because it it's not that the movie doesn't work. It's just, I hate, I hate it. I actually, you know, like, I, I don't think it's so bad the it's movie good. Works. It's really
1: awful. But I do think you're onto something where it's like, this movie starts off being a really good kids movie. It's like... We feel like we're we're seeing it from the kid's perspective. The dad is super mean, um, and there's a lot of time spent with his son, who's being wooed by Al G Rhythm. Uh, Don Cheadle's character uh, and it has that kind of hook like quality where you're following the kids you're understanding why he's seduced by all the power and all the possibility and all the creativity that is his dad will not offer him I actually think it's a great start to a kid friendly movie a movie we don't we don't see g or pg related movies for kids but then it fucking goes to like Mad Max and the Matrix and Austin Powers it's like Kids cannot relate to this at all. What is this movie? Like, why isn't this movie about Cartoon Network or like things that kids actually watch? Why is this the WBIP
0: that they chose? That's closer to Lego. For this, I think what they're trying to do is that fucking Shrek thing where they're like, and this one's for the adults who know these characters actually are. Because kids don't know. There's not a kid who's going to know Game of Thrones world. If you're lucky, they know Harry Potter world, you know? Like, uh, this, this is for younger kids than that. This is for kids who are just about to get into Harry Potter, you know? So I think like a lot of those, a lot of the things that annoyed the absolute shit out of me are character inconsistencies children aren't going to see because what they see is LeBron's being a bad dad at the beginning. The kid's right. At the end, LeBron comes around and lets the kid be himself and then plays his dumb like, you know, like video game. And it's like the the kid isn't going to care. The kids or the children, real children watching this aren't going to care that... Video games actually have rules, I know, but the middle of this like movie that. is
1: the drag right like we what oh, yeah. we haven 't really talked about is the looney Tune, looney Tune representation in this movie Um are yes. looney Tunes cultural currency in two thousand and twenty one is that is that what they 're like i don 't think anyone trusts the Looney Tunes to carry this movie, which is bizarre to me because certainly it 's not, it's not <laughs> wacky it 's not fun it 's not a cartoon, it feels really. Just like again, like the scenes where they're floating through the WB movies is the egregious, just like commercial of it all. But even in the bits where it's just like Bugs and LeBron, I mean, Bugs looks like he's on drugs. He looks like he's been to hell and back. He's all alone in the world. There's a big Chungus moment.
2: Was he always
1: this annoying? No, I actually don't think so. I think he would be wacky and cartoony and altogether loony, if you will. Um,
0: Yeah, where was character... Yakko? Where
1: was Wacko? Actually, where they, was they do show up. They're, 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 yeah, they're, they're sitting on top
0: of something in the, in the stands. It great. Um, I would say the only person, that, the maybe the two Looney Tunes that get to sort of cut out as characters are Lola because they focus on her in a way where she gets a modicum of backstory where she's trying to become an Amazon, which, whatever. But it Oh, my more God. Successful. Oh, that yeah, scene. Backstory. Oh, yeah, You're yeah. Right. That was that. that, was that.
2: <laughs> that was, I mean, it's also like a little too fresh. The PTSD is quite real. Having <laughs> only recently survived Wonder Woman 1984 to have to relive, you know, I, I, in, That iconic honestly, moment the better, in the movie that you the saw in earlier Dog this year. shit of a movie, but like, <laughs> you know, still, it's a little too, the wound is still fresh. It is not healed.
0: And then I think Daffy works because Daffy's the only one who's actually playing his character. Daffy is fun as the coach. All all the Looney Tunes are sort of off-brand a little bit in ways that it's hard to put my finger on, but I can definitely feel. Well, they don't have
1: bits. They don't get to do, like, real shtick. The one loony, wacky moment of the whole movie for me was when Wile E. Coyote gets a multiplier machine late in their basketball game. And like he throws basketballs and it shoots all sorts of basketballs, but then he falls into the machine and there's all sorts of wily. I mean, coyote. there's a sequence where
2: uh, there's a sequence right after LeBron goes into the tune verse. Oh, sidebar. Why <laughs> is it spelled T U N E? Because
0: it's, it's Looney Tunes T U N E. Because they are shots that music in them. You know? Oh,
2: right. Okay. Yeah. I, it's been a minute to- since I've watched Looney Tunes. Toontown
0: with the two O's. That's 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 Disney.
2: Okay. Well, shows what I know.
0: Um, <laughs> that
2: there was a time in my life where I would have been able to explain verbatim what you just said to me, but uh, that time is long gone. And I think speaks to the currency that just like, Looney Tunes happened this day. And you're age. the dad but for When I book, close man. my eyes, you lost I your see, imagination. And, Don't you know how to f- fun what? anymore, David? When I close my eyes and I see the Looney Tunes graphic with the swirl and Bugs Bunny coming out, I see double O's, but I guess that's wrong. Um, anyway, uh, there's that sequence where. LeBron is in uh, just dropped into the, the tune verse and he's paling around with bugs and bugs is drawing the tunnel on the rock and LeBron in 2d animation, not hand-drawn, but affecting the look of it smacks into it. And, you know, it's, it's that old classic Looney Tunes, T-U-N-E-S, anarchy. And it is another reminder that the only time in an American mainstream sense we get to see, uh, you know, something that looks like 2D animation is when a film is parroting it or mm. or referencing it in some way. Oh,
0: uh, we got new Looney Tunes last year. I don't feel like that. Not on the big screen. I mean, not,
2: not, not no, not, not on the said said big movies. screen. I said, oh, movies. fair,
0: fair, fair, and uh, that's a
2: bummer. I did one of the things. The that animation looks good, Canvas though. Batch.
1: I got a, I thought it looked good.
2: It looks, it looks fine in the way that Space Jam looks fine. You know, it wasn't a huge step back like it is in. So many other arenas, especially you know, in regards to animation, special effects for the last 25 years. But man, watching I don't know if I talked about it on any of those rambling can segments, but uh, Mamoru Hoshida's uh, uh, sorry, Hoshida, Hosadas. Um, Bell is uh, you know, he's guided Summer Wars and Mirai, um, his new movie. you know, it just looks fucking insane. it's just like such a treat for the eyes to see that animation done right and with the right funding behind it. Um, And then watching, you know, America sort of riff on these days when, when they had people who knew how to draw like this uh, makes it all look very ersatz. And
1: in in that offense, I think we have people who know how to draw like this. They just don't get employed for big extravagant animated movies.
2: Well, there were those stories about Disney.
1: I mean, Disney does not employ them. No,
2: Right. I mean this is not Disney but um yeah I mean like these people who who kept that art form alive no longer being employed.
1: That's sad. Um but I actually I do think the animation looks good. There are there are I just don't think they put it to to good effect. There's no funny moments here. It's all it's also all plot. It's a very strange middle section to this movie where they're just like why do they need to have a basketball team? I don't know. Let's just get everyone on a ba- on a basketball team. Let's practice. No, the montage is like broken up bits. And then all, all of a sudden, we're like, at the main I event. Like,
0: I feel like that's the The main event lasts hour. an hour. There's, yeah, there's stuff until you get to the main event, and then there's the main event. And I'm not super thrilled with the stuff to get up there. I feel like that could have been you know condensed. I feel like if, the, if you've gone 20 minutes in your Space Jam movie with Looney Tunes and you haven't seen the Looney Tunes, you've wasted some time somewhere. But like I said, it's almost so bad it's good territory for me because the things that I'm offended by I don't think are going to be seen by children like who are going to genuinely enjoy this movie for colors and Harry Potter and Porky I Pig. I will say, I-
2: Yosemite Sam in <laughs> yeah.
0: Casablanca was Play it again Yosemite I Sam. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I
2: don't know if it was worth the zero dollars of admission that I paid for this movie, but it was uh, it was definitely unexpected. Um, it's probably more that I'm gonna get out of snake eyes tomorrow, so it's something. But uh, to what ends? To what ends? I mean, it's just—it feels like the uh, the end of the road, the inevitable conclusion of the way the studios have just been regurgitating their own yeah. IP and you know doing it with a wink, as if that somehow excuses the complete lack of creativity that goes in these things these days. But um, you know, it's it's just. Someone should just do this with all of the public domain IP that's out there in the world. Yeah, Alan Moore. I mean, you can't have Leonardo DiCaprio's Great Gatsby, but you can have someone. You can have have Scott Fitzgerald.
0: That is League Uh, of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But this is like, this is happening. Patches, am I going to get to play a fighting game with Nickelodeon characters anytime I was just
1: wondering, I'm like, is the the threequel to Space Jam a Super Smash Brothers-esque IP fighting game? I don't know. Um, You know, I, I... I don't know why I had higher hopes for Space Jam, A New Legacy. I saw some people tweeting after the movie came out that, hey, here's a movie about like a a black suburban, I mean, I guess like upper class family. And so it's just like I saw some people saying, oh, it's great to see like LeBron going to bed with a do rag on and like these this family navigating life. And it's like, I wish well, first off, I wish the best for Malcolm D. Lee, who directed the movie, who was clearly hired because Terrence Nance was. They parted ways over whatever this his whacked out version of this movie would have been, which I would have loved to see. I don't know if there's traces of it in the movie or not, but I Malcolm D. Lee, a strong filmmaker, a funny filmmaker, someone who uh, whose movies I, I actually get excited to see, like the Best Man series and that sort of thing. But um, and I wish there was more family life. I, I don't know what I wish there was more of. I guess that's a stupid dream for space jam, a movie that is bad um, getting a sequel uh, with a bad movie. Like, of course, what was I thinking? But like the family stuff is interesting in the first third and in the last third, I think it's, it's better when it's hacky the way that the son and LeBron come back together. But I don't know. That's, that's where it moves me more when the Looney Tunes aren't part of it, but that makes me sad too. Like, I just wish this movie was more functional and cohesive. And um, there's, there's a lot of good smart moves and they just don't come together. But I will say, Dave, the Goon Squad animation, 3D animation. I know David hates CG, but I thought the Goon Squad looked pretty good. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. I like to win.
2: Jennifer uh, Egan's, yeah, yeah. Jennifer that, Egan's that, The Goon Squad is in this. No. I must not have watched that far. That, exactly.
1: that, that,
0: that, that Kronos uh, uh, yeah. both being both Flash and aging. Like, I like that Water really Guy
1: who goes through Gossamer, the red hairy Looney Tunes, and then Gossamer sponges him up. That, that's a good, that's a gag.
0: Yeah, really. Yeah, any I love Looney movie. Tunes.
1: Any oh, Looney boy. Tunes
0: that where Gossamer's name gets said out loud and reminding everybody he has a name. I do have so to many say times of it to be like that red thing. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry.
2: That if no, I just said if Matt Patches does not love this movie, and in all honesty, it seems like he doesn't. Uh, all hope is truly lost, and no one can because this I is this so is much Matt love Patches' bait. Uh, he has so much love. To, I have so much love to give. Um, in conclusion, Mamoru. Hosoda. I do not know why I keep pronouncing his last name Hosoda. Uh, of all people, I should, I should be
1: able to do that without a problem. There are but great I animated keep, movies coming uh, later this year. Hosoda. This is not going to be one of them. Space Jam.
0: And that is going to do it this week for Fighting in the War Room. Uh, you might have noticed Katie Rich wasn't here. Oh, yeah. She was, uh, cel- celebrating she was the birth space of one of her. I we were just talking over her the whole time. <laughs> katie just had no opinions on loki space jam or anthony probably, no when her uh,
2: when her first child was born uh five years ago now i want to say um i i said huh you know interesting july july birthday and she said one day you'll understand the timing of play and today is that day it was all part of the long con <laughs> matchstick men style Whoa. to get out of having to talk about to not space, have Jams, a good pull there. space jam new legacy uh, and uh, I hope her child brings her joy apart from this but it's hard to movies. imagine
0: well next week it's my week to pick things and I've decided uh, we're going to watch all three Netflix Fear oh, Street fuck. movies or No, at least already one. done it boom Shit. yeah okay. okay good me I too to do. if you if you just watch one patches watch the middle one Really? Uh, you'll have no idea what's going on but that's oh, the one that's, I, I think I enjoyed well, that best. seems
2: like a mistake that's I think not, if, that's just if you only watch one movie and you want to participate in the conversation in a meaningful way, watch the last one.
0: I'm going to be watching. Oh, yeah, I all... guess the last one has all the answers.
1: I'm going to be yeah. watching all three. Don't worry. Okay. I, I don't get... love uh, Lee, the filmmaker. So it
0: is. It is an interesting uh, experiment in like three a trilogy coming out like television. Uh, yeah, uh, that's
2: that's really what I want to talk about it uh, talk about in regards to it is. How the, the sort of synthesis between movies and TV uh, reaching this new hybrid form, um, which is really feels I'll just like watch neither,
1: Twin Peaks
0: we'll get return. There. How about that? Great. Why not? Uh, until then, uh, where can people find your work online? Uh, let them know.
1: I'm at Patches, senior editor at Polygon.com. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches, and uh, as I usually say. We have all these backlog episodes you can go listen to on in dot com. Almost any movie. I feel like we've talked about them all, and they're all there in episodes. Of
0: all of every movie.
1: movie the Uh
2: I am David Ehrlich. You can find me on Indie wire. I wrote uh, I, I would hope, I would imagine, I would pray that it is more interesting to read what I wrote about all those films I saw at Cannes than it was to listen to me ramble on about them on the show but uh, I sure wrote a lot of words about him. So go on and do and read about all the films from Mr. Scan. that will be out before you know it. And when you're done doing that, or maybe before, or maybe even during go on iTunes, leave us a review at fighting in the war room. We really appreciate it. We haven't gotten one in a couple of weeks and it's left us having to, kill time with all sorts of nonsense at the top of the show and i think uh so far our best most effective threat we're going to have to bring back simply because it works so well <laughs> is talking about star wars galaxy of heroes we just completed yeah. the new conquest war uh i didn't do quite as well as, it, as i wanted to you can't cat um, but, unlock
0: today that's the
2: news uh and we need to talk about the uh clash of camino event because boy am i struggling uh dave oh, what did Jesus. you say i'm sorry uh you were talking about what
0: Cat unlocked today, Commander Ahsoka atano If you've been keeping your conquest currency up, you could unlock Cat today. So today, um, no, all the what is this? All the relicate cat. It's on YouTube. All right, my name is Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at da7e. You can also listen to me on the Storm, a Lost rewatch podcast. We are rewatching the ABC series Lost. We are going to hit the finale, the last week of August. So it is, uh, it is major days uh, in lost you can also follow katie our other host uh, on twitter at k-e-t-y-r-i-c-h you can follow all of us at f-i-t-w-r on twitter and you can answer this week's lightning round question there which was in honor of m night Shyamalan's old what old film location still seems like it'd be cool to hang out at uh that's gonna be it for this week we'll see you next week
1: i